Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. All right. So I'm Educator Barnes, and most of you guys know me. Um, I am the chief editor and writer at NDK12. I've written for some other publications. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Educator Barnes or visit me on my website, uh, educatorbarnes.com. Today, I have my sister Alice with me, and this is my first time using this uh, StreamYard platform. So, you know, it's easy to try out some things with family members. So, if it all goes wrong, you haven't offended some random guests. Not that you want to offend your family members, but you guys know what I'm trying to say here. But what is happening with this pandemic, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, is that people have a lot of time on their hands. And I've found that a lot of people are sitting there in their homes or thinking they're on social media. They have a lot of questions. And typically it, with me writing, I get asked questions all the time. I get comments. I get direct messages. I get emails. And a lot of times those things inspire me to write. The problem is typically how my writing works. I have things that I get asked to write that may be by my publication or other publications that my publication is associated with. Or I have things that I want to write about because I do respond to current events. And then a percentage of that is from the viewers. What's happening right now is I'm getting more questions than I can write about. And I want to find other ways to discuss these questions and respond back to people. Because easily what I do, if you uh, DM me or send me an email, I do typically reply. But some of the questions I'm getting, I think the answers would be helpful if other people kind of heard the conversation around it. So I just created this thing called Ash Educator Barnes because it's, it's almost like that um, those like Dear Abby uh, letters where you just write into the to a journalist. And says, Here's my question. What is your take on this? And on Facebook about two days ago, Alice tagged me on an article that was written in the Indianapolis Star. And it was written by James Briggs. And the title was, There's No Reason to Assume Schools Will Reopen in the Fall. And this was published on April 3rd. And she tabbed me on Facebook with a question to say, what do you think about this? And before she tabbed me on Facebook, I had already read this article. And I had some thoughts about this before this article was written. And before I kind of give you my viewpoint, I'm going to reach out to Alice, who's right here with us, and ask her, what when you saw that article, you're a parent of two girls, my nieces, Zoe and Phoenix, yeah. and they are in the fourth grade and the second grade. What was your initial thoughts as a parent reading that article? There's no reason to assume schools will reopen in the fall. I mean, when I first read it, I was, I guess, kind of shocked because based on everything they keep saying in the news, like after the peak, it's supposed to go down and that should be done within a couple, like a couple weeks, like a month or so. So, I kind of assume they'll be back in school in August. But with them, if for some reason they're not back in school in August, that's just going to put them further behind. Well, my oldest daughter Zoe, she's she's good. But my younger daughter, unfortunately, is a little behind in school. And I'm kind of afraid if she doesn't go back to school. Although we're we're doing the homeschooling thing now, but if she doesn't go back to school, I'm afraid that's going to put her even further behind than what she already is. So I'm right. not hoping that they're in school in all this. Yeah, and that's a good point. Like, I'm hearing for a lot of uh, 
parents, people that are related to me, people who are not related to me. They're saying, Shantae, what do I do? You you were a teacher. Uh, this school year, I'm a school administrator. I supervise teachers, but I'm still trying to help teachers navigate this. And so you have, there's no nice way to put it. Something's going to come out and say it. You have two camps of teachers. You have the teachers who can teach and the teachers who can't teach. Mm-hmm. And I don't think online teaching is going to hide the fact that you can't teach. I think it's going to make it even more obvious that you can't teach. Because what I've been noticing, I even think about my sons right now. Um, we go to school. My sons go to school in Washington Township. Before spring break, the district took waiver days. But teachers were putting content online just to give children an opportunity to understand how to use different platforms, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all optional. But I noticed one of my son's teachers was fitting. She has a, a, a kid, even though she they both have kids. But even though they both had kids, the one teacher was doing videos of herself teaching. She was interacting, responding back. The other two just put a whole bunch of modules and in my opinion, like a lot of workbook-ish activities online. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the reaction of both of my sons to get on there. The one that had the videos, my son was a little bit more engaged in his work than the one that didn't. And granted, in the classroom, you kind of have that Watching a video is not the same as real time, like raising my hand and ask a clarifying question and going back and forth. Yeah. But I'm worried about the kids who are already behind and then they have a teacher that's not a good teacher right now. So back to the question, what do I actually think on this topic? I think it's a possibility. When all this stuff started coming around, because we heard about the coronavirus you know, overseas back in December, January, and we really didn't think much about it. You were like, that's not here. It's not the United States. Yes, people are doing international travel. It may get here, but we're not going to have like a pandemic because pan-, pan means all. That means around the world. And now that we're in this pandemic, it's like stuff got real. And I think you would agree our family is pretty religious. Uh, I would say some are. Yeah. Conservatively religious. So yeah. uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the Facebook messages for families talking about, you know, Book of Revelations, Jesus is coming back again. So we I went from <laughs> like being normal to like, man, we about to go up and meet the Lord. So like <laughs> people are all over the place and their responses to this. And if you would have asked me when this first started, because I remember the week when it said the governor was going to make an announcement. I was at my school building and, and it was the week on that Monday where Avon um, said there was a kid um, that they, a kid that um, that had COVID-19 and they were going to close that school for like two weeks, but they closed the whole district for that Monday. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of went on we're like, okay, that's Avon. I think we we're cool. But then that Thursday rolled around and it was like, the governor's going to give a press conference. I talked to my counterpart who I supervised the middle school with and mm-hmm. without any permission from our principal, we told all of our teachers get whatever you need just in case we all go home. And it's just like, Hey, we're kind of shutting this down for, you know, a couple of weeks. And of course teachers freak out because yeah, we told our middle school teachers, so they were straight, but yeah. some of you were like, I just took a few things. Like, what does this mean? And so I was like, okay, we'll be cool. It's going to go through spring break. So I think everybody thought initially, okay, this will go through spring break. I guess we'll kind of come back. They'll clean the schools. Everything will be cool. But as those two weeks were happening and Governor Holcomb started giving daily updates, I actually stopped watching them because he was he been doing them at 2.30. I stopped watching them because one of my sons was getting pretty stressed just because they start off with typically with how many uh, people who are now diagnosed with COVID-19 and then what the death toll is. 
and my kids are nine and hearing that people in the state are more people are dying every single day like we don't need that stress in our life so i've been actually now watching the replay and not watching it live just yeah. because of them but as you see the numbers going up and up and up i'm like wait a minute we, we're not coming back uh after you know spring break and then uh and then it changed to last thursday is like chuck the deuce we out the rest of the school year and now that that's happening i wouldn't be surprised if schools were not reopened fully when we uh talk about the 2020 21 school year and what does that look like How, what does that mean for students and I have a lot of concerns about that because when it first started, like my birthday's at the end of August, you know, my mm -hmm. husband, Jermaine, his birthday's at the end of August. At first, we're like, okay, we'll be out of this. And August is my favorite month for so many reasons. I was married in August. My birthday's in August. My husband's birthday in August. And my son's half birthday is in August. And we actually celebrate that. And then I absolutely love the state fair. Like everything, getting the roasted corn, riding the rides, all that stuff. So August is like the turn up month, like for real. <laughs> And I was like, okay, we're gonna be straight, we're gonna be out this by August. But now I'm just like, man, can I all these other people like they have they didn't have to celebrate their birthday? I'm like, oh that that's sad. <laughs> but now I'm like, wait a minute, I'm about to be one of these people in August. And in August is when we go back to school. And in the end, a lot of school districts go back that first week, or some school districts are even going back that last week of July. Mm -hmm. And right now, we haven't hit the peak. We haven't hit the peak yet. And like I said, until we start tuning in to the broadcast with Holcomb and the numbers are coming down, this is going to be extended. Um, mm -hmm. so, what are your, uh, so what are your thoughts about if school doesn't come back? What are some things you think schools maybe need to do differently if we're not coming back? Or uh, let's start with if we're not coming back in fall. What things do you think schools need to do uh, to make sure students are not uh, behind? I say, um, I guess for my girls, I would say maybe do more video check. I know they do them like once a day. Sometimes it's like every other day, depending if the teacher's busy. I say more video check, I mean like one-on-one -on -one video chats, not just like the whole class group chat. They focus on the one kid, answer any questions that they may have. I think that would be um, more helpful if this tends to go to August or past that. I think that would be more helpful doing like the one-on-one -on -one video conferences with the children. No, and that's what's getting tricky because I think about it from now like the admin side because my school is using Google Classroom. It's the platform we're using. And so even today, um, and I do not have my work email on my phone. I wrote a whole article about that. <laughs> but I got onto my work email because I still have to hire teachers for next school year. So I was checking that. And I saw I have all these notifications. So I think about like the logistics of the teacher doing that, but I also think about the fact if my child has IEP, uh, um, which is the individual education plan, a special education, if they have an ILP, which is an individual learning plan, that's English language learners, or they have a 504, not to be confused with the IEP, which is like a document. If you have any type of mental or physical disability, you could get it. So you would get a 504 for an anxiety diagnosis. You may use a wheelchair. Uh, it could be temporary. Let's say I had a student who had an eye injury that had a 504 for a month just so they had some accommodations around not being able to see out their right eye as it was healing from the surgery. How are those things being services? And I know at my school, a part of our special education department did, which I think is great. 
They actually reached out to parents to say, this is what we're doing. I'm hearing from a lot of parents who have children with accommodations who are not hearing from nobody. And I will say I'm one of those people. My one of my sons is a 504 and I had to reach out to the school to get information. Yeah. That shouldn't happen, especially when we are saying and this is up from the federal level. If you are holding school remotely online for everybody, accommodations must happen. I shouldn't have to be playing a guessing game. When we are having school face to face, there's no guessing game. I have this document that tells me what you're going to do. Well, everything in those documents may not be able to be implemented online. So, again, you need to reach out and tell me what you're going to do. Yes, I understand there's a lot of people, but and you and it may have to be different for each child. And that may involve video conferencing. I know uh, with some of our special education students in my school, First of all, we let parents know what's happening, but some students are actually going to receive that accommodation where they're going to get some one-on-one time with either a special education uh, teacher or even a small group. So it may not be the whole class, but it may be the one teacher and maybe these students that need some intervention or extra support. So I agree with you. Just like in a regular school setting, we have the whole class all together. We also mm-hmm. need to think about whether it can even have the accommodation or not, because I think about my class, any class we're taught. I'll take a regular class. And in middle school, kids get tracked a lot of times. So if you take high math, you a lot of times you're in the same English class as everybody else. So a lot of I'm thinking about my, my regular classes, even in those classes, I'm teaching the concept. OK, the five of y'all, you don't have no clue what I just taught about. So y'all about to be in a small group. I'll pull y'all to the side, rush y'all to the world. The next concept I teach may not be those five students. It may be another group of students. And I'm saying, based on what you're saying, that is the same approach that we have to take for online learning is that if we have students who are struggling with whatever you taught today, then you're going to have to find a way. Okay, now I'm going to provide a small group online or do one on one to make sure that kid is learning because kids, if they're already like you said, your, your daughter is be a little bit behind. If they're already behind and now they're receiving less face time with the teacher, how the heck are they going to learn and get caught up and how is that that gap? going to be closed. So that's kind of worst case scenario. We're still in this mode next school year. What do you think needs to happen if let's say August rolls around in July and like, you know what? We're going to go back to school. Um, curve has been flattened. We all can go back. Social distancing is over. What do you think schools need to do for the fact that pretty much we spent the fourth quarter, we're going to spend the fourth quarter of the school year in this distant learning world? Well, I think um Based on my understanding, most of the kids are going to still move on to the next grade, but I still think that they should start back from at least review the last uh, quarter that they've been homeschooling to make sure the kids know what they did at home and understanding what they did. I think that would definitely help. But I don't think they should just start from like just start from new. Just they need to definitely review what they did when they were at home. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think one of the conversations we need to be having, so I think what was hard for me the first week when I had to work remotely is during this time as an administrator, I was worried about next school year. I was already hiring for next school year. I'm looking at the building schedule for next school year. Um, Okay, this class is going to be 60 minutes. This class is going to be 90 minutes. This is the supply. We're working on the supply list for next school year. So my mind is already in next school year. So thinking about next school year, I think we also need to think about if I am a teacher, right? And I'm teaching fourth grade. And the fourth grade I'm going to have next school year, the last quarter of third grade, it was online. 
I have to have some way to assess and get a baseline of where these kids are at when they walk in the door. So I think all schools should be thinking about what are we going to do to get a baseline of, of data of where are these kids at now when they came back? And then we have to talk to teachers about how do you fill in those gaps? Because you have two types of teachers. I'm the type of teacher that's taught multiple grades, actually based on every single role I had. And if you include my student teaching, I've literally taught students in every single grade, kindergarten through 12th grade. And that could be as a literacy coach pulling. I, I worked with second graders for a long time as a literacy coach. Um, I worked with, uh, I taught a 10th grade and 11th grade class when I was a literacy coach at the high school level. So, and then I taught kindergartners in the library and as an English language learner teacher. So I taught students in every single grade. And it was English when I was just like having my own classroom. I've taught sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade English. So I was moved based on the administrators. Sometimes teachers get moved because they suck. I got moved because they're like, oh, we're going to move to this grade. She's going to get great data, whatever, whatever. So you have teachers that get moved a lot, and you got teachers who've been teaching the same grade. So if you don't have the experience of what happened in the grade before, you may not necessarily know how to change the close that skill gap, right? And uh -huh. the other thing I would say is that we don't do in the time of school, time of school to do what we call vertical articulation. That's when you look at what kids should know before they get kind of down to you. And if they don't know it, how do I teach it? And one of the biggest shifts I think that I'm going to be worried about is that shift from second grade to third grade, because we say K to two is learning how to read mm -hmm. three to five or you know on up is reading to learn so if those kids that that kind of do that jump don't haven't mastered all the tools to learn how to read that third issue is picking that up and yes i read three that's the test in indiana that you take to pass uh third grade right like, are we going to have Ivory 3 next school year? And those kids who were in second grade and had that last quarter away from their teacher face-to-face, -face, those kids don't even expect to take Ivory 3. But one of the questions my son's at, because they're both in third grade this school year, uh, and they had totally two different reactions, right? The first one had in his in the notebook the Ivory 3 test circle. He knew what it was when the date rolled around. He's like, Mom, I got to take the test. The other kid was like, what test? I'm like, dude, you took the practice test last week. What do you mean, like, what test? <laughs> and then we were watching. That's when we were still watching the governor's update. Dr. Jennifer McCormick, who is the um, superintendent of instruction for Indiana, she got on the screen and said, um, hey, standardized testing is canceled. And so my one son, who was like, we're having a test, he was like, yes. My <laughs> other son, who had it in his assignment notebook in circle, he said, well, wait a minute. They said I had to pass this test to go to fourth grade. So what if I'm not going? I'm like, calm down. Nobody said any of that. And I and I said to Jeremiah, my son who asked me that question, I said, um, do you think this is gonna hold back all the third graders in all of Indiana? Is that does that make sense? And he was like, uh, no. And so sometimes you kind of have to kind of I think this situation is making kids unnecessarily anxious. So you just put out a real scenario, they're gonna hold back everybody. Okay, no, that doesn't make sense. But I think there has to be some conversation about when we do start standardized testing back, when do we start it back up? Because I would argue, and I'm not against standardized testing, I would argue that we may need another year off to get kids caught up, or we're we just going to have a whole bunch of dip in test scores. And so what's the point of that, right? Um, but I'm not mm -hmm. saying, even if we don't do standardized testing within the schools, we still need to be doing those tests to see where kids are. Uh, using NWA and some of these other tests that we use, if it's like a, um, 
continuity tests that they um, created at the school, we still need to be tracking kids and knowing where they are. And so I've shared my views about standardized testing. What, what, what are your thoughts about? Because uh, Zoe, um, she is in fourth grade. So she had one year. She's taking IRE3 and she's yeah. taking iLearn. Um, so what are your thoughts about standardized testing being eliminated this school year and then when it should start back up? I mean, I'm kind of on the same page as you with postponing it a little bit because uh, Phoenix, she'll be in third grade next year. And I'm worried about her not passing that, but she also has an IEP. So she'll still go on to the next grade because she already has some accommodations with it as well. But I think it will help everybody in the long run just postponing it till the following grade to give them time to make sure they they know everything they need to know so that they'll be successful taking that test. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because there's been questions around teacher evaluation because that's um, based mostly on me, the administrator, observing you in a real classroom, right? And so if we go back to the standardized testing, we, that test was a test what teachers learn going to like their class, right? And if they're not going to their class in person and granted i'm, I'm going to take a sidebar yes if you're a virtual school you're still taking standardized tests but what virtual schools are doing is not the same thing that traditional school districts are doing for e-learning so i want to make that uh clear right now and uh a lady named tilly um did a video uh, with oh oh with citizen stewart I, I can't remember with Susan Stewart or Erica Sanzi, but it was Susan Stewart. And she's an advocate for online learning. And she talked about it in her video about how what we're doing right now is not online learning. And she had a fear that people will say, well, this didn't work. This stuff, online learning shouldn't happen. She's like, You're not doing that. So, yes, those schools do do the standardized tests, but they are teaching in a different way where kids are getting the knowledge um, was supposed to be getting the knowledge that they need to learn. And so I think we need to get that in consideration. I feel like kids need a whole school year, you know, with teaching in person before we implement the standardized test. But I also think with that, we still need some accountability where schools are going to be mandated to be tracking something. Because what I also believe is that some schools only make attempts to do stuff because you have the Department of Education above their head saying, uh, this is how you're going to get your letter grade, right? The other thing that worries me is that these ratings, and actually it's on my Twitter, and I got tweeted, somebody said something about like an A rating might not be necessarily A rating, right? And, and I kind of said something about like, like my son's school is a B rated school. If you ask me uh, what type of education they receive, I would say one received an A this school year and one received a C minus. And without like the standardized test and some of the other things, parents are going to be missing a piece of data to know like, is this school a good school? And I think there's just, I, but once again, it's like focus on what you can't control. We can't control that this pandemic happened. We can't, like, this is unprecedented. I mean, I'm 36 and I never thought I would live to see, live through something like this. I mean, yeah. you know, mom and dad always be talking about the blizzard of 1978. I've heard these stories. Yeah, I've heard about it. <laughs> heard these stories so many times I feel like I can retell the story about what happened to dad's car and how he was walking out. Good gracious. But I feel like this is going to be our blizzard of 1978. 
this is going to be the story that we're going to tell to our grandchildren one day, and they're going to roll their eyes and be like, oh, this again, the pandemic again. I know, I know. Y'all had to stand six feet apart. Y'all had to have the mask on your face. Y'all started off the year with 2020 vision, but y'all had a blind spot. Y'all didn't see everything. I didn't know this was coming. Like, I can just see it now. And so we're working through this, and we're going to be looking back with 2020 vision after 2020 is over. And then you're like, oh, we should have did this or we should do it this way. And even right now, I feel like schools are trying to make the adjustment. And speaking of schools making the adjustment, I have two questions for you. One, tell me what you think. Um, share uh, what school district your, your groups go to. That would be important. Um, what do you think they're doing well? And what is something they could do better? And I know you already mentioned the video chatting, but I'm talking about like with communication to parents about the plan and how the plan is working. Well, um, first, my girls both go to Hamilton Southeastern School District. They've been there, like, since kindergarten. I like this for the most part. Um, but I think um, with communication, I say they've done decent with communication. Like, as soon as um, they have updates, we'll get the email. I'm on Facebook all the time, so I always check their Facebook page, and it's normally posted on there as well. Um, so I say they're, with communication part, they're doing decent let us know what's going to happen moving forward. Because like uh, as of right now, my girls are on spring break all next week. And after that, they'll be doing e-learning Tuesday to Thursday till someday in Madeline, Maryland, exact day, but until May. Um, but, um, well, I think they probably could do better. Um, maybe, hmm. I think it was the part of the learning part, because with Zoe, she's, she can get on her e-learning, do it by herself, and it's completed. Say for like the younger grades, uh, maybe um, maybe have like a small tutoring session maybe for the kids that you know are kind of struggling, like struggled while they was in school. Maybe like offer like a like, small, um, maybe like 30 minute tutoring session to make sure that they're still on track with everybody else that's in their class. I think that would be um, beneficial. I think that's a good idea because I think about one of the things we were working on at the middle school um, where I'm supervising teachers is our tutoring schedule for fourth quarter. We were getting that ready. Who's going to tutor? And that's a thing that happens at most schools. There's some type of tutoring or some type of enrichment, either a during the school year school day rather, or after school. And if I needed tutoring when I was learning face to face, I'm sure as hell going to still need tutoring. Right in this situation. So I do think schools need to think about how do we do after school activities and keep them going? And I'm not talking about soccer club and stuff like that. Clearly, we can't do that. But there's other stuff that happens after school, such as one on one tutoring with a teacher or group tutoring. I think I do think that's a really good idea. And I think schools should think about how do we continue those tutoring services that students were already receiving or let's say we didn't have too many students receiving those services. But we are noticing some of our students who, because you have you got students who are behind, you have students that are on grade level, you have students above grade level. I'm worried about those students that, of course, I'm worried about the kids that's not on grade levels, okay? You worry about them. But the kids that are yeah. on grade level, I'm worried that they're going to slip down. So, uh -huh. what do we do when we notice some of those kids are starting to slip down? We need to get them some type of remediation right away so whenever they go back to school, there's not a big, uh, 
gap for them. And then I, I think the other group of students, and neither one of us have a high school student, but I do feel really sad for the high school senior because, yeah. I mean, honestly, senior year, I was over school. I was just like, let me get up out of here. I'm ready to leave the house. I'm ready to go to college. Let's do this, right? I, was, I wasn't interested in nothing. I didn't go to prom. I didn't go to like nothing. I was just like, I'm out. But I know there's kids out there who are not like me, who were looking forward to prom. They were looking forward to all the athletic events that were going to happen throughout the school year. I mean, even I was looking forward to at least walking across the graduation stage. I mean, you, that's the one thing you were looking forward to is getting that diploma and like being there with your friends. Like that's everybody. So I hope, I mean, uh, Dr. McCormick said it would be up to each school district um, to figure out what would happen with that. But I really hope they find a way to do that. Even if, I mean, even if it's next school year and these kids are off to college, even if they find a way to have them connect back with their senior class or just offer something like, hey, I know you didn't have prom, but we're uh, maybe over their college winter break. We're going to have this. So if you want to come back together and meet, I don't know. I, and I know I've seen some school districts posting your pictures on their Facebook page to kind of shout out their seniors. I've seen people decorate seniors doors. I'm seeing a lot of people tweet at seniors that are online and send them messages and send them things like we love you guys. And for the most part, and I know seniors are stressed because like, you're stressful. Do I have all my credits? I want to finish this. But one of the things uh, Dr. McCormick did say that the testing would be wrong because typically you have to pass uh, the past standardized test in high school. When I was coaching at the high school level and also I had to end up teaching, I was teaching two sections of classes where the students had not passed at the time the I-STEP test to graduate from high school. And so if they... And to get the waiver at the end, let's say you never passed it, you had to do all these things. You had to, A, take the test, multiple, keep taking the test and try to show that you're making progress, be in a special class, in my English class, one of those classes, and then do this portfolio and have a certain uh, attendance rate at school. Mm -hmm. But they're saying, you know, we understand like some of these things can't be done now, so you're still going to graduate. Um, but I still worry about those things because we shout a lot about kids getting into college where well, we don't do a good job of tracking which i know is harder because the student is away from you we don't do a good job of tracking those kids finish college and i'm mm -hmm. worried that some of the seniors because they are missing a quarter of their uh, last year that they already got something in the college most of them you know a lot of them already got those letters they're going to go to college and not be prepared or like we're talking about college semester starting to fall but it's no line so now you're leaving kind of potentially a haphazard online experience in high school going into now a college level uh, class. And I think for college, like I I think you kind of want, first of all, you just want that on-campus college experience. And I think some yeah. of that stuff really needs to happen in person. I think about all the stuff those students, if we don't resume uh, classes in the fall, I think about some of the things you're going to miss out on. Just, I mean, I, I went to Purdue. I remember Boiler Gold Rush. I actually really didn't want to go, but that's that was going. Uh, but <laughs> I went, and it was a good week. It was me walking the campus. This is where the co-rec is. This is where the restaurant is. This is like uh, your professors. And this is how you, you know, reach out to your professor. Use office hours. Here's your classes. Here's a map of the campus. Here's your schedule. Have you figured out, you know, all the stuff that you get to do before. So those are some of the things I'm just worried about. And then where our students are going to go because we're hearing about a lot of college who had to come home and 
maybe they left school and they don't have a relationship with their parents and they're moving with someone else. So I know some students just like I was like ready. Not that I was having a problem with mom or dad, but I was ready to go to school and get out of the house. Um, some of those students who are ready for that may be still at home. So those are some things to consider. Um, so bringing this all, I guess, to a close here, um, the Ask Educator Barnes question was, do I think, do we think schools are going to reopen in the fall? And right now, I, I think there's a possibility that they won't. I'm not going to guarantee to say, because I read the comments on Rick's piece on Facebook, and half the people were pissed. And half the people are like, well, you know, that is a possibility, right? And I get why some people are mad because some of the comments people are mad about, like, this is chicken little, the sky is falling. Like, you're just saying everything bad going to happen. But I also think about the fact that as this was happening, I think a lot of us were in denial about how bad this was going to get. So we weren't really preparing appropriately. Mm -hmm. I think about the fact that some of my teachers, after we said we're going to be closed on May 1st, had to open back up our building so they could go back and get stuff so they could teach at home. And how at this point in time, school had already been closed. So you didn't have your stuff you needed during that time. So I think about some of these things like we need to start planning for the possibility. It's like planning for the worst but hope for the best. How about yeah. planning for if school doesn't reopen in the fall? Let's hope that it does. Let's hope that people are taking I, I believe the slogan that the governors put out is we're in this together because if you don't know Indiana's initial is I-N so every time we have a slogan here in Indiana they throw the word in in the slogan mm -hmm. to be catchy and normally the N is in the shape of Indiana because <laughs> I'm not saying we lame over here in the Midwest. I'm just <laughs> noticing that every time we have a slogan I-N is in uh, <laughs> the word every single time. Uh, but that's kind of that's my thoughts on it is that we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan for our schools don't reopen. Uh, and our plan should be better than the plan that we have now. I think you'll have summer in between that. I think that's the time for Americans yeah. to say, hey, it looks like school may not reopen. Let's evaluate our online learning or our distance learning or remote learning because everybody's following the different things. Let's evaluate what happened during this first quarter. And this will work. So now it looks like we're going to be doing this for the fall. What does it look like? What does it look like to meet your new teacher online? Because let's get real. If we're talking about this happening in the fall, you're not going to necessarily stay with your same teacher. And one of my sons, if he had to do that, he would be pissed off. Uh, when he found out we weren't going back to school, he was super excited. He's been on the struggle bus with his teacher the whole entire school year. My other son, so they both are upset about missing their friends. And we're doing they're doing a conference call later today, a video chat on Google Hangout with one of their friends. Uh, they have a mutual friend. Now, he's going to put out their twins on this and all have the same friends because birthday party was very interesting because they both had their list of friends they wanted to invite. Some kids overlapped and some kids didn't. And I said, look, for the rest of your life, your birthday's on the same day. Right now, we, and we've done a lot to accommodate them doing, you know, but the one year yeah. we did alley for one of them and then we went to my mother-in-law's house and then a movie could one of them want to do that so we got it but at the end of the day this is your brother and he's gonna have friends you don't like and you're gonna have friends that he don't like that's it is what it is uh, but they both were missing their friends so those are some things we have to think about I mean starting with a new teacher in the online environment what does that look like and then if we do come back what does that look like? Because kids have been away from school. You're talking about resetting after a winter break or doing a class reset after summer break. These kids haven't been in front of a teacher for a while. And yeah. they 
and the families have a little bit more control because I was in the meeting and someone said, well, what happens if you're trying to tell a student to do something to put your laptop on you? You can't use proximity and stand next to them and be like, you're going to do this work today. They're going to be like, oh, my teacher, close. So <laughs> kids have a little bit more power now. And so whenever we do get them back, we have to think about how do we kind of acclimate them back into the academic environment because schools are very structured. We are like almost like herding cattle. Bell for this, move. Bell for that, move. Time for this, move. That's how we do it. But right now at home, because a lot of peers are working at home, it's like right now, I'm doing this with you. Granted, it's Sunday, but they're in the basement. And honestly, they've been in the basement while I was working because I couldn't monitor their e-learn or the assignments I did and be on the call with the English department or be on the call with the science and social studies department because there was two of the things that happened before we all were on spring break. Or, you know, Jermaine's over here at the other table because this is my area. Jermaine's in that area over there. And but. There's no door that separates us. So we have to strategically uh, make sure that we are working, doing conference calls at different times because right before this all happened, we had already done a contract for construction to be done in our basement to kind of get a nice office down there, some things done. And then the construction had to be halted when the state order happened. So I was like, man, we have moved everything out of the basement. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to have my space. Because we had to go into the I'm like, well, so now we all got to work upstairs because I could work in the basement right now. But sometimes internet a little shaky down there and the washing machine has been gone because I've been staying on top of laundry during the quarantine. I've been doing good so far. Check back with me in a couple of weeks to see if I still keep up with it. But anyway, um, like I said, schools, whatever they have, they need to evaluate how it went now. They need to have a plan moving into the fall. And they should have two plans, one for if this is continuing and one for if the schools go back. And so I would like to thank Alice for being the first person on uh, my live stream here. I plan to do a lot more. So if you're interested in possibly being on my live stream, um, you can, if you are privileged enough to know my name on Facebook, because it is not Educator Barnes, <laughs> you can uh, tag me on Facebook. If uh, you know me on my other social media, um, you can message me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Educator Barnes, and I'll respond to you. And I can have you on here. So uh, essentially, how this is going to work with Azure Educator Barnes, you have a question, and we will talk about the question and keep it moving. And I think I'm going to keep it around 30 to 45 minutes um, because I'm sure we all have other things to do to sit here and talk to me. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we would love to hear your feedback in the comments and even ask us any more questions. All right. Till next time.